Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You're about to listen to an episode from the Teka Teka News Podcast. If you like what you hear, follow Teka Teka News on your podcast app for concise news and useful explainers. It's been 48 years, nearly half a century, since the late dictator Ferdinand Marcos placed the entire Philippines under martial law. What have we learned? Have we forgotten? Mula po sa Quezon City, ako si Robbie Alampay, Puma Podcast. At ako si Hinday Espino Verona. Ito ang Teka Teka, balita para sa mga huli sa balita. Rob, 48 years na pala since the declaration of martial law, ang dami na nangyari sa panahon na yan. And yet, so many things also seem to remain the same. Totoo yan, Inday. For one thing, we remember there was that move to make the birthday of Marcos a holiday, at least in Ilocos Norte. Nailipat yung bangkay niya sa bantayog ng mga bayani, despite all controversy and all protests. But despite the nearly half century, we say it's a short time because the people who experienced martial law are still around. You and I were alive when it happened. I was in grade school. I was in grade three when it happened, and one day... I woke up and discovered there were no newspapers and the TV was going zzzz. Now, there are a lot of factors that contribute to the false narrative that has been circulating around martial law. Kaya sinasabi na parang nakalimot na ba tayo, no? But part of it is really fake news that we've been getting on social media. And also, probably the way martial law is being taught in school. But the most concerning part is this phenomenon called martial law nostalgia. Siege Tantenko, host of our history podcast, What's App, was precisely looking into these questions. Hi, Robbie and Inday. Through the years, the narrative of martial law has been watered down and changed even. Some members of the younger generation and even the generation who has lived through it would sometimes refer to it as the golden age of the Philippine economy. In that alternative narrative, Ferdinand Marcos was merely a misunderstood hero, someone who was harsh but got the job done. But more troubling than the rewriting of history is this sort of wanting and nostalgia for that brand of authoritarian rule and dictatorship. I talked to attorney Ross Tugade. She's a human rights lawyer who teaches at the UP College of Law, who has co-written a paper about martial law nostalgia. The paper suggests a memory law prohibiting the denial of atrocities committed during the Marcos regime. What we have called martial law nostalgia in our study, uh, it's an observable recent social phenomenon where there seems to be a resurgence of positive sentiment for the dictatorship of Ferdinand Marcos. It's as if the brutal years of martial law have suddenly been erased from history and are seen in rose-tinted lenses. 
for the younger people in the Philippines, especially the millennials and the Gen Zs, who are steered into thinking that martial law was the golden era of the Philippines, I think it's about being misled outright with false information and lies. I said that this phenomenon of martial law nostalgia is quite recent, but I think it's only so because the lies have been accelerated through social media. Go on YouTube and you'll find countless videos claiming that the Marcuses have no ill-gotten wealth. Researchers have found that various pro-Marcus Facebook groups post identical content, as if this content was coordinated. On social media, where anybody can be a publisher, it can be hard to separate fact from fiction. And so I asked Attorney Ross, what went wrong? On the legal front, what the state did after 1986 was adequate enough. Number one, we created a constitution that was visibly and apparently anti-dictatorship in its tone and in its spirit. In terms of the legal architecture to address the legacy of martial law, hindi nagkulang yung batas. I think yung pagkukulang is with other social institutions. For example, I studied in a public school during my elementary and high school days. I remember the textbook saying that the achievements of President Marcos where the building of different infrastructures such as the San Juanico Bridge or the Cultural Center of the Philippines, that was the fact that was found in our public school-issued textbook. And then, as an impressionable young kid, you would think that because the textbook says so, this is the true state of history, but that isn't the case. Of course, social memory is shaped not just by the state, but by the people at large. So in a sense, it becomes a form of state acknowledgement of past wrongs or past abuses. So an example of this is in the European Union, there are countries which prohibit Holocaust denial. And not only that, they outrightly ban the symbols associated with the Nazi regime, such as the swastika. One of the main drivers to this false narrative of martial law is social media. Posts, videos, vlog guestings of the Marcoses. But people would argue, and even journalists would agree, that regulating content on social media is not the best way to go. Because opinions, no matter how wrong or how absurd, are protected speech. And this is where Attorney Ross draws the line. Because facts are facts. They are not protected speech in the same way opinions are. So if a person is not being factual and is in fact distorting the truth, then they would be lying. And something can be done about that. So what we argued in our paper is that in the Philippine context, there has to be a clarification first of what constitutes fact and what would otherwise be opinion. Because opinion would be protected, whereas lies or the reverse of historical fact would be unprotected because you have now victims, statements, narratives, which have been adjudicated by a 
quasi-judicial body saying that these are the facts that happened from 1972 to 1986. And the rejection of those facts would actually be unprotected speech. So that's something that we were trying to propose in the paper. That lies in the same way as libel is not protected speech. Lies regarding a historical fact would similarly be unprotected speech and should be the basis of liability. And we live in a time that we are divided more than ever as a society. So the task isn't so much as creating, for example, a shortcut through a law. I think it's about building institutions and a civic culture that has a bias for truth, that has a bias for justice, and has a bias for human rights. Just as Ross said that abuses don't happen in a vacuum, justice does not happen out of nowhere as well. Proseso ito, at may bahagi ang Estado maging ang mga mamamayan sa paggamit nito. Sabi nga ni Jose Rizal, ang hindi lumingon sa pinanggalingan, hindi makakarating sa paroroonan. The more we understand our history, the more prepared we'll be for our future. Listen to the WhatsApp Araling Panlipunan Rebooted Podcast on your podcast app for more stories on Philippine history. Maraming salamat, Sage Shantenka. Very important conversation. Follow our page, Teka Teka, for more news stories and Puma Podcast for more updates on our new podcast. Muli ako po si Robbie Alampay. At ako si Inday Espina Baron. Teka Teka is available on Spotify, Anchor, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or kung saan man kayo pumapodcast. This episode was produced by our executive producer, Kat Ventura. It was edited by Mark Casillian. With reports from Siege Tantenko and Josa Quinones. Maraming salamat. 